is my next guest, Frank Saravelli, Hockey Insider and President of Hockey Content for DailyFaceOff.com. Did you face Aaron Jones? Did you play Aaron Jones? I did not. I'm not a fantasy football guy. What? You're from America. I know. I, know. I just, I never really got into it. I, I just, I, it's not my thing. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm pretty shocked because, like, you're a Philly guy, right? Yeah, like, I enjoy watching Red Zone. I enjoy watching the games. I like, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally throwing a couple bucks on a game. But, like, mm-hmm. fantasy football, I never, I could never really get into it. Just, it was like a time commitment thing. It was like, do you want to spend all this time drafting players and then filling out your roster and making changes every week? And then at the end, it was like, and you could win $142 from your friends. Yeah. Like yeah. it just—I I don't know. Never. I know. I get the bragging rights thing. It was just that was never my yeah. thing. Yeah. So um, I get it because that's how I am with uh, fantasy hockey pools and basketball and baseball because there is a real commitment, right? Like I'm—I feel bad whenever I join those ones because I'm always like, oh, I'll—I'll I'll do it. I get guilted in, or at least I used to, and then I'd be the person who. Uh, week three is getting texts from the commissioner being like, you got to set your line up. I'm like, oh, sorry. Oh, uh, never will. That, that would be uh, me. Yeah, like I'm never going to do it. But with football, it's kind of like you really have to do it Thursday just to give yourself like the cursory check and then the one check back in on Sunday. It's the only reason that I can do it. And yeah, I like for me, it's a way to stay connected to my friends from college who are all over the country more than probably mm-hmm. anything else. But yes, it's very much about the brain breads. But when I do win and when I have won the money at the end of the year, you're like, oh, great. I can buy like a couple Subway sandwiches. It's cool. <laughs> it's like, that's it. What are you going to do? Yeah, and then you're like, like well, well, all the time I lunch. put in for that, I, I get yeah. the bragging rights thing, but it's like, <laughs> eh, I don't know. I'd yeah. rather just no. enjoy the game. Games. Not about the money. Yeah, it's not about the money. So um, it is about the money with the Maple Leafs, right? Like it's been like that's going to be the storyline of this entire thing. I, so I'm going to just start with this. We get media day tomorrow, right? And it's weird because I'm assuming you guys are still all doing this on Zooms. Uh, depends market to market, actually. There's a lot of really? teams, JD, that are deciding to open their rooms and and are the sort of go back to normal media. Uh, the Leafs, I think, are doing a sort of hybrid, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I'm not up on every single market, but I think the Leafs yeah. are kind of doing maybe a mix zone thing where you can talk to some players in, in person. Okay. So let's say that you are – you just you get to do the Leafs thing tomorrow. You're, you're at the Leafs thing, and I give you – all right, Frank, I developed this truth serum – um, you 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 gotta jam it in somebody's neck. It's gonna be kind of vicious, but you do it. <laughs> um, you get to go down to the Leafs facility, top to bottom within the organization. You get to use the truth serum on one person. Who do you use it on, and what do you ask? Ooh, um, I, I I would assume that my one question is who who plays on the left wing on the top two lines? And then the question is, do you really ask that question if, you, if you've got one vial of truth serum? Are you asking that question of Sheldon Keefe? Or are you asking that question of his boss in Kyle Dubas in that if they're not properly prepared or, or set up as currently constituted with their roster, do they make any kinds of adjustments at some point during the season to, to right that ship? So I'd imagine to start... We're going to be hearing lots of uh, Nick Ritchie and, and Michael Bunting and and you know, maybe a little bit of Wayne Simmons. Um, 
does Mikheyev get a larger shot? Like, I mean, there's there's all sorts of questions here, so I'd be really curious to see what happens. You know, that's one of the things that I didn't really get answered about the offseason in general is, like, it seemed pretty clear, and, I, you know, I've had Felino on the show when we talked about it, and he said that the... The talks went pretty far with he and the Leafs and that really it came down to partially just like where they were at salary cap wise in the offer, but also that they didn't have cap space for other moves, right? That it was like, oh, they were going to give him this money and then what else were you going to do? But what the like the backup plan for not hitting on Felino and having Felino sort of be a, a bit of a priority, it all happened pretty quickly. Like the Leafs missed out on him and then they kind of rushed to market and grabbed a bunch of dudes. And that's fine because they are a pretty capped out team. But do we have like clarity a little bit or do you have some level of clarity on like the level of the plan in which they went after those guys? Like how much those dudes were actually coveted by the organization versus, hey, who's available? Because like I feel like bunting was coveted. The rest of the guys, it felt like, oh, well, we just need to take these lottery tickets and these are this is who was available. Like Richie's available now. You know, when it when it comes to Felino specifically, as interested as the Leafs were, it was always at a very specific price. My understanding yep. is they were only ever really in the one point five to one point eight million dollar range for Nick Felino. And when he gets that deal from Boston, obviously he also leaves Minnesota in the dust two times three point eight. And I can say, I don't know, with some degree of confidence that I think that's going to end up being a smart move by the Leafs to end up moving on. I just I have real concerns about Nick Foligno and his back moving forward. Love the player, love the person. It's a health thing at this point, and I don't know that he has the um, the wherewithal, the ability to stay in the lineup. And and like, look, dependability is a pretty big ability when it comes to doling out dollars and, and the cap, and so. I I like the bets that they've made because they they have given themselves some options. Like, you know, you see the comparisons that are out there and you see, um, you know, the production that Bunting had in a pretty short window with the Coyotes last year, 10 goals in 21 games. And I was seeing some people say over the last few days that they think that Michael Bunting can be the next Carter Verhage, a guy that pops into your lineup, gets a, a, an opportunity with in a skill position, and really takes off and has the ability to do it. But but if not, I sort of like some of the other moves that they've made in that sense, in that same vein. Um, you know, Richie, I think originally coming off of, you know, his deal, um, you know, 15 goals in 56 games, like he's a guy at 2.5. That, that's a bet that I'd make every day of the week. Like I, I was thinking he'd be closer to the $4 million range or $3.8 million range, which Felino ended up getting and essentially taking his job in Boston, mm-hmm. um, I think he's a much smarter bet at two and a half. And so if you're saying the proposition is, you know, you can take a, a Richie and a Bunting, and those two guys still don't add up to what um, to what Nick Foligno is making now in Boston, like to me, it, again, it's just, it's more bullets in the chamber. Uh, it's more opportunity. Um, you know, maybe both those guys don't work out and maybe they hit on a guy like Andre Kashe. Maybe they hit on David Kampf. Like, I just think that some of the other decisions that they've made, um, you know, they're worthy bets, in my opinion, given the track record that we've seen from these guys. 
Yeah, I'm excited about the year that Richie's coming off to. Um, and and I, I think a lot of people look at him as someone who's got a little bit more upside. Uh, I would say, you know, Kasha probably a little bit more upside, but the injury risk is a lot higher. My only thing with Richie is mm-hmm. I do think it's also important to remind people when we're talking about the 15 goals and 50-whatever games is that, you know, he has 59 goals in his career in 350 games. Um, so it, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also tempering it a little bit with that. I guess my question is not so much like, do we believe in the bullets? Because, yeah, I, I think that the logic that you outlined to me makes a lot of sense, too. And the Leafs also were pretty limited in what they could do. And, um, yeah, Richie and Kasha and Bunting, like, there there are good reasons for all of those guys to show up here and give you more. Especially given, like, expectation and salary, right? And how much we perceive players through that lens now. I, I guess, like, more mm-hmm. what I'm asking is, like, do we feel like those were the bullets that the Leafs were targeting all along? Like, down... Um, down the salary, do, yeah. like, yeah, you do. So that's the sense is that like, it's not just bunting because bunting, we always knew, right? Like the, the track, everything we'd heard his name for a long time. The other two guys or the other few guys, we do feel as though these were like Dubas targets from the jump and that the guys that they wanted are the guys they ended up getting. Yeah. They were never swimming in, in deep waters in terms of yeah. their ability to spend. And the one thing I've learned about the Leafs is, is they're nothing if not methodical. Like they, mm-hmm they don't do anything by accident. So, you know, they're well prepared going into free agency. Here's our list. Here are the range of players that we're looking at. Like they're not talking to the six or eight or $9 million players because they know they're not in that ballpark. So they, they didn't, it's not like they were wasting time. And I don't think they were trying to convince a $4 million player to all of a sudden take one and a half to come and play in Toronto. Like they knew what the expectations were. They knew what their limitations were. I guess, if if we really want to take the thirty thousand foot view here, I don't. I'm not even sure that that's the right question to ask. In that, are we? If we're talking about these guys ultimately being the success or demise of the Maple Leaf season, I, I think we're getting that that picture wrong. Like it, it's still ultimately going to come down to their top end players being their top end players at the most important time of the year. Yes, depth is so important. Yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning proved it with their back-to-back Stanley Cup wins, you know, they they there weren't any holes in that roster and the Leafs for their issue, part of their issue was about getting their team um, you know, just more the greater quantity of quality players. And and that was important. So, you know, that was one of their mission and and missions of the the offseason, but the fact of the matter JD still remains that when Brendan Shanahan addressed the media after that crushing first round series loss. It was, we don't have any killers. We don't have any killer instinct. And, you know, this was, you know, this was the off season to ask the question, do we have the right pieces? Do we have the right core? And they're, they're content in, in more or less running that same core back again. Um, and now for what it, whatever number season this is. So um, that, that to me is the real question moving forward. Did, did these guys learn? Do, did, does someone there have a killer instinct and can they finally get over the hump? So yeah, that's going to be the question of the, uh, the year. No doubt about it. I, I am a little surprised that they didn't address the killer instinct thing, quote unquote, um, externally a little bit more. I, I did think that that was going to be more of a target, more of a, hey, this is someone, even if it was just like, a, 
I don't want to say like uh, uh, just an optics move, but yeah, like I'm not thinking about Killer Instinct is going and getting the guy who played 25 games for Arizona. <laughs> like that's all. Like it just it's right. it's 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 not optically what you know you said at the outset. So, but like let's pivot to those guys because I've been thinking about them a lot too, right? Especially since Marner releases this video where he's like working out and he picked some very 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 poignant Drake lyrics, um, and. Do you what you know about Marner? What you know about like this Leafs core? Because it really matters about these four dudes. I don't think that Matthews is ever going to be viewed as a villain here because he's just going to score so much and he's just so popular. And he'd he'd have to say something like really vicious about Toronto for anybody to ever turn on him. But it's it's pretty clear that coming into the season, you know, Nylander has his detractors. He'll probably be a little bit more used to it. Um, Tavares, there's always going to be a section of the fan base that's like, hey, um, are we getting enough from you? But I don't think that there's going to be like vitriol. Marner really is going to be the subject of something completely new here where this was a Toronto guy. Everybody pretty much loved him. He was like the fun kid and blah, blah, blah. He was a sympathetic figure when we compared him to or when we talked about the stuff that happened with Mike Babcock. And now he's coming in this year and it's like, hey, I've got an Instagram video where it's like me versus the world. Do you think he's the kind of guy that's going to be suited for that? Because, like, everyone talks about wanting to be Kobe Bryant, right? The mama mentality and being able to shut out all the noise and be a killer and be hated, and that's fine. But most guys like to be liked. And I, I do have my questions about how someone like that is going to deal with a climate like this. I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask. I, I just don't have an answer for you. I mean, I, I think in in a large way, that's part of what the Leafs season hinges on is does he have it? Does, you know, I think Austin Matthews does, um, I, you know, and you, you're, I think your analysis is spot on in that he's going to score so many goals that it's, it's not going to matter. But I think the way he plays, um, how, how quickly, you know, a game can change on the drop of a dime with one of his shots that, you know, I, I think he has that sort of instinct I don't know about Marner, and I think that's the real question mark heading in. It's one thing to post those things and think those things and sort of talk those things, but until you walk it, which he really hasn't done, um, then I think that's something to you know moving forward we have to you know kind of keep an eye on because he's sort of the one, the one guy with the way that his contract is structured that you say, well, if we're going to make a change and if there's going to be a significant departure. Like I think everyone has kind of circled him as the guy that's probably easiest to move on from. And so he'd probably, you know, if this all blows up again, he's probably the, I would imagine the first guy out the door. So, you know, that's, that's another layer to it, which is how does he respond sort of knowing that that ultimately may be the case. So, it's terrifying to thinking about him getting traded now because it connects to Jack Eichel. And and I know Eichel has some health stuff too, but also his cap hit is high. The cap is staying flat. It's someone where the organization knows they need to move on. The rest of the league knows you need to move on. I'm not saying that's a direct comparable between the two if Marner has a bad season and things go south. But yeah, I'm less optimistic about what a return for Marner might be after seeing the way that this has gone. And like, we're a week away from camp 
that's Jack Eichel is still a saver. And he got new management, and he's like, oh, now the ball's going to start to move, and yet we're still here. What What is the latest with him? And, like, do you actually think that this is indicative of, you know, the, the flat cap world, or is this just, like, the complete one-off unique situation where everything has uh, created this perfect storm of a bad trade for Buffalo? Oh, I, I think it's 100% – a, a perfect storm. This is, okay. there's so many things working against the Sabres and it, it's really not just the $10 million. Like I don't, I think there's a number of teams that feel like they, they would take on that full, full freight $10 million hit on Jack Eichel. Obviously it's going to decrease what you'd get in a return because they would be deciding to eat the entire thing. But for me, it's three things. It's, it's the cap hit one. It's two the injury, which I don't think you can sidestep like, look, Jack Eichel, if he decides to have the surgery, like, and ultimately that's approved, we're talking about like, is he back in time for the Olympics to help team USA? Like that's, that's the sort of significant recovery we'd be looking at. So there's a significant question mark there. It's pretty clear on his end that he'd like to have the surgery. Um, and then the, the third part of it is that he's just so disgruntled and wants out, like, you know, you talk about, uh, reading into the the lyrics from Drake, like every Instagram post, every emoji, every whatever tweet, um, every everything that Jack Eichel has done, it, it's it's obvious his his discontent in the situation. Moving on from his agent, all these different you know issues that have piled up that make this. If he decides to report to Buffalo, a full blown circus, um, it, it's. It's different. Like I, I mean, and and the other part for Marner is not, and not to compare him because I don't, I don't even know why there's a comparison made, is that Marner has continued to produce. Like last year, when you extrapolate over a 55 game season to 82, it's a 99 point season, and you know he was darn near an assist per game for a large chunk of it, um, thanks to Austin Matthews. So, you know, it, it's it's it is interesting. Um, you know, to think about, but I think that there'd be, it'd be way easier to move again, depending on what the team does. Um, if the, if they find a way to win and, and take a few steps forward, as everyone's been waiting for them to do, then it becomes a non-starter and he's part of the core. But if not, then all of a sudden teams are going to be squeezing you knowing that you need to make a move. So some of the similarities would come into play, but really not, not all of them. What do you think happens here? Like, it's it's just so up against the gun that I have a f- f- like I'm feeling as if I'm a Buffalo fan like he's not starting camp somewhere else like where's he gonna go what's gonna happen here? My guess is that I I don't honestly I really don't know but if I were to 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 think about this from a logic perspective my guess is that he reports to Buffalo um, because he needs to get paid and because he doesn't want to get suspended and he's injured and can't participate. And until this is rectified one way or the other, or until there's clarity on his, his health situation that my guess is he's probably not on the ice. And then that kind of allows the story to remain a little bit more quiet and less circus. Uh, if he's sort of out of the public eye. Mm. I mean, like, maybe it makes it less sir, because I just know for me, it's like you don't have Owen Power there. Your team's going to stink again. 
and Eichel's still going to have an Instagram. Your team's account. trying to stink like, again. I think is the yeah, other part of it. I guess, but it's also it's just it's hard for me not to think like yeah, your team's going to suck so bad that what what are people going to talk around the team? They're just going to be like, what's the situation with Eichel? Where's Jack? What's going on with Jack? Like I just I think that if they believe that in some way no one's or people are going to forget about this or stop caring about the guy who was the face of the franchise, <laughs> you know, upstairs somewhere away from the facility, I think that they might be mistaken in that uh, would be just my guess. Um, Frank, this was great, bro. Always, always, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing it. JD, enjoyed it. Take care. See you, man. Frank Cervelli, Hockey Insider and President of Hockey Content for DailyFaceoff.com. Something to think about with the Marner thing, right? Obviously. The Eichel thing is worse with the injury. And obviously, this is a very unique like set of circumstances. And, and my bet is, is that when Eichel gets traded, even though it's not the full value, you know, we do look at it through the lens of this guy's surgery and blah, 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 more than we do about him wanting out of Buffalo and having the scenario. But it like I'm gonna do more of this tomorrow when I set up Leafs Media Day, because it's happening right across the show. So Bourne's gonna come in, we're gonna do nine to eleven together, and he and I are going to break down some of the audio as it comes in, share some thoughts, you know, really shoot it. Basically have like a really good Leafs hour. Podcast and show, but one that extends for a couple hours. Um I just think that it's important perspective to keep when we got mad about the Leafs not trading Marner. I still think it's fair to say, yo, if the Leafs really didn't explore this, if they really didn't even take a phone call, if they were like, the phones are hung up and we're standing by Mitch, that it's like, oh, that's negligence. But if you can't trade Jack Eichel a week before camp, and granted, again, Frank outlined the injury. You at least have to kick around what could the Leafs have even gotten for Marner and also how many teams would have been like, hey, we could give up the world for Marner or we could just kind of hang around the Eichel sweepstakes, see how this develops and grab him for, you know, 35 cents on the dollar versus paying close to full freight for Mitch. When both fully healthy... Marner will get you more points and the nerds will tell you that he's better. But, you know, I think that Eichel probably has more impact on the game. My opinion. Either way, this is a, it's going to be really fascinating. And I'm going to do weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months on the Maple Leafs. But, yeah, coming into it, that is the number one question. Is the Marner, I'm ready to take on the like me versus the world mentality a thing he can actually do? Or is it a facade? Is it a defense mechanism? Because like that's all well and good if he starts the year and he's like, you know, ripping it up and having a great season and he and Matthews get to stay together. First of all, I wouldn't even keep me and Matthews together. I think like that that would be move number one is reunite him with Tavares and put Nylander back with Matthews and say, hey, country club is... uh, closed (laughs) we are doing what is best for the team and that is more balance and that is trying to rejuvenate Tavares a little bit but 
what happens if you start slow and there's no AM34 beside you and the fans are on you? It's apparently like they're filling the building. That's the plan. Fill the building. And I know we're the place that had John Tavares Day, which still, I'm sorry, Wild and Dangle. I just can't ever get behind it. Uh, I think we're also the pl- kind of place where Marner might get booed if the season gets off to a slow start and he stinks. You think that he takes a puck over the glass penalty? It's going to be quiet in the building? Hmm. Think again. Even the suits, even the heartless suits that go to those games might have a little Grinch moment where the they wake up and the heart expands a couple of sizes and they, they throw it a boo. 